This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, February 16th. You're listening to WNBF. A vacant blighted house met its end on Wednesday morning when City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram and Gorick Construction fired up the excavator. After about 20 minutes, what was an eyesore of a house to Conklin Avenue neighbors became a big pile of wood and glass. The property, located at 214 Conklin Avenue, will be incorporated into the city's side lot program. That means that either a neighbor will purchase the property or it will remain empty as a permanent green space for flood hazard mitigation. The city of Binghamton acquired the site after tax foreclosure by Broome County. $207,700 in funds for the demolition were provided by the Community Development Block Grant. Mayor Cram stated residents know blighted properties drag down entire neighborhoods, lowering nearby property values, attracting crime, and diminishing quality of life. The city will continue to be aggressive in acquiring and demolishing eyesores and protecting the integrity of our neighborhoods. The city of Binghamton will tear down five additional blighted properties in the coming weeks, located at 8 Franklin Street, 21 Pern Street, 18 Rutherford Avenue, 537 State Street, and 63 Walnut Street. One neighbor watching the demolition of the blighted property noted that it's an all-too-common phenomenon in Binghamton to have landlords abandon properties when they're no longer profitable, leaving them in a state of disrepair. He also noted that anytime neighborhood residents heard sirens or saw flashing red and blue lights, they already knew what property was the subject of police investigation. Mayor Cram also stated, Residents don't deserve to see this on their way to work. Neighbors don't deserve to see this when they look out their window. Kids who are walking to school don't deserve this. The condition of this property is clear and the city is taking action. A unique two-story building that had been a fixture on Upper Court Street in Kirkwood for almost a century was turned into a pile of rubble by a demolition team in a matter of minutes. Workers from Gorey Construction tore down the structure that had been home to service stations and at least one car dealership over the years. Broome County historian Roger Luther was surprised to see the activity on February 6th as he drove past the property just east of the Binghamton City line. Luther pulled over, grabbed the camera he always has with him, and took a few pictures of the demolition operation. Speaking on WMBF radio, Luther said, I loved that building. He thought the place would have made a nice little brewery or some other business. Luther said since he posted some of his photos online, he's learned everybody loved that building and everybody had plans to use it. He said the place was gone within about 45 minutes. Luther said he believes the brick building was constructed in 1929 by R.J. Bump for use as a service station. The place later was known as Gallagher Service Station, which sold Blitz and Gasoline. Raymond R. Knapp Auto Sales then operated at the site for several years. Luther noted railroad tracks ended next to the building. That's where coal was dropped from rail cars and then moved under Court Street using a conveyor system to the Binghamton State Hospital's power plant. The Court Street property is owned by an Elmira-based entity. Representatives of the company could not be reached to discuss a possible future use for the now-cleared site. The construction chaos continues as a Broome County Development Group races to reinvent the Oakdale Mall in Johnson City. The massive project to develop what will be known as Oakdale Commons began just over a year ago. The biggest part of the transformation so far has been the development of a 140,000-square-foot House of Sport concept store to be operated by Dick's Sporting Goods. The company has said the Oakdale Commons operation will be the largest of its House of Sports stores. Operations at the Johnson City location are to start this summer. Some observers believe the company hopes to open the store in conjunction with the Dick's Sporting Goods Open, which will be held in four months at Enjoy Golf Club in Endicott. 
Sarah Casella, senior manager for corporate communication at Dick's Sporting Goods on Wednesday, indicated the opening date for the new store has yet to be finalized. The company's website currently lists several management positions that will be available for the house's sport unit in Johnson City. Meanwhile, several local and national businesses have been forced to leave the mall as construction work moves forward. Some operations received little advance notice that their current locations would no longer be available. Oakdale Commons representatives were not available for comment for this story. If you're looking forward to sledding or ice fishing at Nathaniel Cole Park in Broome County next weekend, the warm weather in the Binghamton area has ruined your plans. According to Chris Whalen, executive assistant to Broome County Executive Jason Garner, Broome County Winterfest has been canceled for 2023. Due to the warmer weather in the area, a generally mild winter overall, and no freezing blizzards in the forecast, there simply isn't enough snow and ice at Nathaniel Cole Park to hold the event. It's a plot twist that nobody could have seen coming. Sure, some days during the Binghamton winter have been a little warmer than the others over the years, but for the most part, you can always count on snow and ice to be on the ground at any given time around here in the month of February. We're only two years removed from Binghamton winning the Golden Snowball Award, a trophy ironically passed between upstate New York cities for whoever gets the most amount of snowfall, so being forced to cancel Winterfest 2023 because there's not enough snow and ice really says a lot about how mild this winter has been thus far. A white supremacist who killed 10 black people at a Buffalo supermarket has been sentenced to life in prison. Peyton Gendron was forced to listen as relatives of his victims expressed the pain and rage over the racist attack. Wednesday's sentencing was disrupted briefly when a man in the audience rushed at him and was quickly restrained. Gendron pleaded guilty to charges including murder and domestic terrorism motivated by hate. He still faces federal charges that could result in a death sentence if prosecutors choose to seek it. Judge Susan Egan said his rampage was a reckoning for a nation founded and built in part on white supremacy. A New York federal judge says former President Donald Trump missed his chance to use his DNA to try to prove he didn't rape a longtime magazine advice columnist. Judge Lewis Kaplan on Wednesday rejected the 11th hour offer by Trump's legal team to provide a DNA sample to rebut the claims of E. Jean Carroll. She said in a 2019 book that Trump raped her in the mid-1990s in a Manhattan department store dressing room. Trump says it never happened. Trump refused to provide DNA for three years before his lawyers said recently that he would provide it if the full DNA report on stains on Carol's dress were released. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today's showers mainly after 2 p.m., a high near 55 degrees and 80% chance of rain. Tonight's showers mainly before 8 p.m., a low near 48 degrees, 80% chance of rain. Tomorrow, rain showers and sleep before 1 p.m., then a slight chance of snow showers and sleep between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m., then a slight chance of snow showers after 2 p.m. Temperatures falling to around 28 degrees by 5 p.m., wind gusts as high as 26 miles per hour and 80% chance of rain. Tomorrow night, a chance of snow showers mainly between 8 p.m. and 2 a.m., cloudy with a low near 18 degrees, 30% chance of snow. Saturday, sunny with a high near 41. Saturday night, partly cloudy, a low near 27. And Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 44. Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 34 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
Bob Joseph on the air at WNBS Thursday morning, 607-772-1290. Welcome to my world. If you are inclined to uh, chime in with thoughts and concerns, our thought and concern line is open now for your convenience. The President of the United States today will answer our questions about the UFOs. And I say it's about time. Say uh, he should have been answering these questions during his Fox News interview. Say if he had his Fox News interview on Sunday, as most people wanted... These questions could have been addressed days ago, and we wouldn't have to concern ourselves with the minutiae of UFOs and the aliens and invaders and spy balloons. So, oh well, I guess it's some people might say, well, it's better late than never. I guess, I guess, but I, I think... I think President Biden's response on the uh, UFO and spy balloon issue, I think that would probably cost him a second term if he chooses to run. I know a lot of people are saying, well, he says he's going to run. Everybody is planning for a re-election campaign by Joe Biden. So... Why would this make a difference? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it, it could make a huge difference. This is going to be, I think, the overriding issue in the 2024 presidential campaign. Well, not so much for the primaries, certainly not for the Republican primary. We know what the issue there will be. But for the general election, for fall of next year, I think people will be completely focused on UFOs and spy balloons. And also the way the United States is supposed to handle this stuff. It's 9.15 WNBF. Of course, the uh, Oakdale Mall is still changing. Every time you look up, something new has happened. Mm Mm-hmm. It's remarkable. The Oakdale Mall looks nothing like it used to. When I was a kid, it looked like the Oakdale Mall. Now it looks like it's been mauled. (laughs) It's totally different. And they're not done. Not done. We did uh, another update. Have to do occasional updates on this project because it is a major project. The kids at the House of Sport are already hiring, so if you want to get a job at the Sport House, and they say it's going to be the biggest House of Sport that they've ever, ever opened. That's what they say. They claim, and you know who they are, these are the people who run House of Sport, they claim that this will be bigger than the 
supermarket across the street. So think about that. That's a substantial store. I think it runs... Mm, the estimates vary. Some people have said 130,000 or 135,000 square feet. The so-called House of Sport, for people who enjoy sport and climbing walls, they say that will be 140,000 square feet. 140,000 square feet of sport. Which means they have to sell a lot of, move a lot of merchandise if they're going to try to run a sport house that big as far as the details well uh, the company that runs house of sport is keeping it all very secretive mysterious but that's okay i guess that's supposed to build the drama and anticipation for people who want more sport so, um, anyway, take a look at what uh, we posted on our website, WNBF.com. You can see what they're doing over at the Oakdale Mall, eventually becoming the Oakdale Commons. It's fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, WNBF.com. And as I uh, also reported, they're starting to hire people. So if you're a sport buff... Apply now for House of Sport. What else is going on? OWNBF.com also had a little more background, a little more history about that Kirkwood building that they tore down, which we discussed with the Broome County historian, Roger Luther. And I'm thankful that Roger Luther shared some pictures that we could use with the story. As far as what that'll become, here's another <laughs> another stellar example of secrecy in our time. There are three big secrets going on today in 2023. When will House of Sport open? I think they should open it when the uh, golf tournament happens in June in Endicott. That would be a good time to open your big House of Sport, I would think. It seems like it would make a lot of sense. So that's a big mystery. Also a big mystery, what they'll do with that one-acre property at the Kirkwood-Binghamton line, where they tore down the landmark building last week. And then the other secret is the uh, spy balloon. Yeah, that's it. Let's take a call. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. It's Gary from the West Side. Morning. Hey, I uh, was talking with an old friend of mine. We were getting caught up, and we were discussing what we did over the holidays and stuff. Can I share a, a Christmas story with you? I know we're past Christmas, but I think it's oh, a pretty good story. Well, we're getting really desperately close to Christmas. We're only uh, <laughs> 10 shopping months till Christmas, so yes, it's, it's now the holiday season. A lot of the stores are already about to push out their holiday merchandise within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so it's it's never too early. It's almost time for people to put up their holiday lighting. <laughs> okay. but uh, So anyway, my friend, he's a uh, Catholic, and he has a big family. He's got like seven kids. And so 
he has everybody over during the holidays and stuff. And during Christmas, he, he asked, he went around to each one of his kids. They're all adults now. And he asked them, what was your favorite Christmas gift as a child? Your favorite toy, to be more specific. And he went around the room to all the seven kids. And they said what was their favorite toy and why they liked it and stuff like that. So then what my friend did was that he took note, and what he's going to do now is next year, he's going to buy whatever his children said were their favorite toys and give it to them on Christmas this year coming up. I thought that was an awesome idea. You know? because that's clever. Grown, that's, you know, that's a wise, wise plan. Yeah, I know, right? It was like, yeah, this, you know, because, you know, your, your kids, when you grow up, do we really need anything anymore, you know? So he just was like, yeah, I'll just get them something that they liked in their childhood, and that's what it'll be. I thought that was a great idea. I was like, that's a good idea. So Yeah, well, maybe anyway. some listeners will do the same thing. I think that's that's a pretty clever thing, a clever approach. It was, yeah. Yes, it was. And as far as Binghamton goes, uh, I think things are looking up for the city. You know, I think this year, hopefully, we won't have major crimes or major disasters in our city. And we can just go about our lives normally. You know, even though it's tough because everybody is uh, feeling the effects of inflation. That's a very difficult thing. I mean, everybody's feeling that. Yeah, just like the 70s when Nixon was president. Yeah, I mean... When and you remember, I, how, you remember how we got the inflation under control then? When Nixon had to leave early, his um, replacement, Jerry Ford, came up with the stellar idea to put out, um, I don't know how many buttons he put out 10 million of those red and white buttons that said win whip inflation now and within a matter of days inflation had been whipped they whipped it good i don't remember that but you know i lived through it i, I you know it's funny sometimes you just don't remember things i do remember waiting on lines for gas alternate days what was that 79 i forget the year i don't recall specifically but i remember and i blame if you don't mind me pointing fingers i blame opec for that and guess was what like it was still under a dollar back then bob oh sure I, i'm thinking it was under 50 Thanks. cents yeah i mean i yeah. remember when gas prices started to soar and it was uh it was viewed as a crisis in america because that's the way it was um the, when prices got higher and higher and higher and eventually they were going to go above a dollar. That was viewed as a big crisis because virtually all of the gasoline pumps in the country were only able to display prices up to 99.9 .9 cents. Remember that? And so for a time until, until the American pump industry was able to uh, roll out... Um, either new pumps or whatever gear they needed uh, for a time, and I remember this, the gas prices, say if gas was, we'll just book, pick a, a random price, say gas was a $1.20 a gallon, 
So on the pump, they would set it for 60 cents and then just multiply it by two. So, and then, you know, eventually they were able to find better pumps that, of course, remember, uh, what was it? Uh, was it last year or earlier this year? I, no, it was last year when prices kept soaring and some people thought the prices might go above $10 a gallon by the end of last year. People were wondering, well, what then? Our, our pumps only go up to nine ninety nine a gallon, but fortunately, yeah. fortunately, President Biden got the prices under control, so we commend well, him for that. What do you think, Bob? Do you think that uh, inflation was inevitable after the coronavirus? Yes. All of the companies and everything, right? So they didn't make their money that they normally made. They well, also blame government. The government, and I'm not saying this was a bad idea. Maybe it was a really good idea. Remember, government, federal government, caused this inflation. Gee, and I think some of it was by the guy who was in charge before Biden. But anyway... The government, spent, did, did, the, the government spent trillions of dollars. I mean, remember, we got, I remember getting one or two checks, yeah. including, I think, I think both had the signature of a guy who signed his name with Sharpies. Um, Wasn't it delayed? I think it was delayed because the first set was sent out without his signature. And well, then they sent another one or something. Right. But anyway, so it started with him. When the government spends, and I can't remember how much we all got. I'll just say I was thankful. I $1,200. Right. So we had at least one payment of $1,200. And I think later we received a slightly smaller payment. So that's money that went out to the American people. Then look at all the, the money that the government gave to businesses, the um, PPP program and and all the other things, and then all the money that was pumped in to the economy to various governments through the ARPA program, the, the COVID relief program. So trillions of dollars were pumped into the economy, so inevitably there was going to be inflation because people were going to start spending more, and pr- so prices would inevitably go up because demand eventually rebounded so yeah this this inflation to a large extent was created by government action during the pandemic yeah economists i think most economists predicted this i don't know if most economists thought inflation would be this high but i i think some did because when you when you flood all that money from the federal government, by the way, the federal government was giving away money it didn't have. Look at what's the front page of the Times this morning. This headline, and nobody will be alarmed by this, but this is the main story in the Times. The headline says, United States is projecting $19 trillion rise in debt by 2033. Not a debt of $19 trillion in 2033, a $19 trillion rise in debt in the next decade. So this this federal government, our government, was spending money it didn't have. So it had to borrow and borrow and borrow more money. And look at how much money that we pay, our nation pays, on interest for the money that we owe. I mean, that's a huge portion of of what's spent every year. I can't remember what the percentage is. You could look it up, but who's lending us this money? China. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> so where do they get all the money from? That they that they're so rich that they're the second largest economy because they they have apparently better leaders. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because they're maybe because they're communists. I don't know. I'm I'm not a an, a global economy Bob, expert. Have you heard this about China? Uh, speaking of global economy experts, and I'm not either, and I have watched some videos about it and stuff, where they say that China is in serious trouble because they had that single-child policy for the longest time, and now they have a, a population that is uh, majority is over, like, 60. And so they're not going to be uh, kicking into the economy. The people below have to support the people from above, and they want it to be shaped like a pyramid, ideally. But they say that this is a reverse pyramid, that the uh, the people will not be able to support the people above them that are retired. Have you heard anything about that? Or Yeah. That Peter's Island, I don't know, he's a global economist. Well, a lot of countries, a lot of countries may have trouble. China is having yeah. trouble with its population. Japan's sure. population is contracting. So Russia too. You know, that's what happens when people don't do their job. Mm. There's one job that people ultimately have and if they don't do so it, we well it's yes. We yeah. need more people. We do. Most of this country's problems might be resolved if we had more people. If we had more young people coming into the workforce in the next 15 or 20 years, then the Social Security problems probably could be resolved to a large extent. So I say it's time for those listening to get... Procreate. To do what needs to be done. Yeah. I know. It's hard work, but... Hop to it. Is that why, uh, like, they can't find people to take jobs and work in sure. restaurants and stuff like that? Because there's not enough people. Right. Not because they don't want to work, because I've heard that a thousand well, some times. some people don't want to work. That part is true. Some people well, don't. Well, that's been forever. Well, sure. Time. You know, that's fine. I, You know, if you don't want to work, if that's your goal in life is to not work, I don't, I'm not really, not really sure what you expect to accomplish by not working but hey it's free world go hang isn't, out isn't isn't that the, the way of things bob is that the older generations which i'm a part of now we always look back at our younger generation and we don't really you know we differ from them and we don't see eye to eye with them so we don't think they're going to be doing that good remember when we were kids they were like oh this generation is going to be the worst because they're all drug infected zombies running around and that they won't be able to uh keep keep the country going but obviously when uh people got out of their 20s and 30s they got into the corporate and capitalist world and they changed their thoughts and they became productive so i think this generation that we have now will be just fine they'll change things for the better just like we tried to sure they're going to do everything will work out. By the way, the first oil crisis was when Richard Nixon was president. I know you said 1979. No, the the big problem began in 1973 
It was the October of 1973, and wow. Richard Milhouse Nixon didn't leave until August 1974. So just for people who may not have been aware of that, you know, sometimes people get confused. That's the same Richard Nixon. Remember, he was a, uh, a Republican. He imposed a price ceiling on oil in 1979 as demand for oil was increasing and production was declining. Can you imagine if Joe Biden pulled that kind of stunt today? Joe Biden, a Democrat, did what Richard Nixon, a Republican, did in 1971. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, America America would not be happy. Fox News would literally blow a gasket. Well, Fox News wasn't even a uh, no. That's in uh, Murdoch's eye back then. Well, an environmentalist was just getting started. In fact, 1973, Bob. That's when I was procreating back then. Those were the good old days. <laughs> they were. Good times. Good times and great oldies. Okay. Thank sorry, you. Thanks sorry, for Bob. sharing. Okay. It's 933 at WNB. Well, as I said. But the economy depends on a couple of key things. And, you know, ask your parents. This is Bob Joseph, WNBF. You're one stop. Live with Bob Joseph, 936, DJ in Binghamton. You're on the air. Okay, Bobby, what did you do with those blue skies, Bobby? You're in New York. That's Tom from uh, Susquehanna. Remember him? Every, I haven't heard him in a while. Yeah, well. uh, phone lines like are down. Phone lines are down in Susquehanna. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that's right. I, I, yeah. I forgot his rhymes, his rhymes are crossed. Hey, so last night I was at the Roger Luther presentation with the presenter presenting his presentation. He's a nice guy. He's from Rochester, though. So anyway, it was good. He did a state hospital. He did all the abandoned buildings. And if you wonder why they're abandoned, he explained it. But he inspired moi to start a new page. Either I'm going to change my old page to a new page or I'm going to make a new page. Right now I have Binghamton is blessed, but I don't have a lot of groupies. So I'm doing a Binghamton's West Side Facebook page. So all you listeners out there and Bob Joseph, even though he's from Endicott, Give me pictures and ideas and post on there and give your comments, Binghamton's West Side. Because, you know, Bob, when I hear these people, and they're very well-educated, Jerry Smith, you know, I, I had him in college. I was in Ed Hickey's class. Uh, Roger Luther, they're very well-educated, but they don't know a whole lot about the West Side. That's not to put them down. I do, so I'm starting a Binghamton's West Side Facebook page. Endicott Coyle. Who remembers Endicott Everybody worked at Endicott Coyle. Everybody worked at Dun & McCarthy Shoe Factory on Charlotte Street. 
and uh, tool and die company, Charlotte Street, the garage company. A lot of these long black cars with black windows would be going down the street. And I'd say to my stepfather, why is that car so big and black with black windows? He'd say, that's mafia, son. <laughs> they, they own the garage down the street. We're not supposed to say that word. No, don't don't, don't use that word. Don't. <laughs> don't. don't. Be, ni- be nice. You know, if you want to talk well, about that, said. we'll talk All about right. that off the air. Well, I retract that. Now, don't thing. retract it. Just so. What do you think um, about the uh, the latest thing in downtown Binghamton? You always change this. Up. So yeah, downtown is downtown Binghamton considered the West Side? I think it is. No, it's not. Downtown is downtown. West wow. is best. Oh yeah, we I didn't say I. I don't mean that, but but that's how the at City Hall, that's how City Hall always treats the West Side. West is best, and then the they down do. the downtown do. and the other sides get treated differently. But I mean, even going back to Juanita Crab, remember when she put up her infamous signs? Don't even think of speeding on Riverside Drive. Well. Yeah. What about what about the people who live on the east side, street? Robinson Street, or exactly. on the north side, Shenango Street, or on the south side, Vestal Avenue? You can think of speeding on those streets, but for some reason, because the west side was special, you couldn't think of speeding on, on Riverside Drive? Come on, man. Yeah, or my favorite street, Susquehanna. Well, the thing is, Bob, the west side was first. was here first. That's probably why. Uh, Abel Bennett. Well, right, yeah, the Bennett uh, track. But... Yeah. Wait, what did he own? What did he own? What bank? Binghamton Savings Bank. He was richer than rich. He owned the wow. Binghamton Savings Bank. He gave that whole tract of land, which was originally called Bennett Park. I still call it Bennett Park, just to be so people say, "What are you? What are you where's Bennett Park?" And then I can explain the whole history to him. See, that's why my page, Binghamton's West Side on Facebook, is going to be so popular. All right. Um, well, I wish you. I can only. I can only wish you the best. Hey, wait, I want to tell you something else. Gary didn't get your joke, but I got your joke. When you said they whipped it, whipped it good. Yeah. Well, they did. You know, and that's I say, bring back those buttons, the whip inflation now buttons. Joe Biden, it, it, but because he's a Democrat, instead of being uh, a red and white button like Republican Jerry Ford put out, it should be a blue and white button. And the new buttons that. Joe Biden could put out, say, win again, whip inflation now, again. And that's how we'll get inflation under control now. Vic from the Forks, good morning. I think Joe Biden needs a new slogan like, make America great again or something like that. But that's not why I called. Um, I called Bob because of, of the different levels of justice for people in New York State. I don't know if you saw Benny Johnson on Twitter. But Chris Cuomo, over the years, said that when CNN fired him, he thought about going home, getting a gun, coming back and shooting up the office and then killing himself. And uh, I think this shows that there are two levels, because you didn't see anything, you didn't hear any politicians call for him to lose his gun permit. Excuse me. Something about the air here in Shenango Forks. But you don't hear any politicians, including the governor, calling for him to have his guns removed from his home or anything like that. And and this just one more time, once again, shows that there are two tiers of justice in this country and in this state. And I I just think that it's... Well, does Chris Cuomo have any guns? 
Well, according to him, he does. He said, I'm going to go home, grab a gun, and shoot everybody up and see it. Wait, he said he has guns. Chris Cuomo says he has guns at home. More than once. All right. Well, then, if he talked about what what you claim he said, then they should take his guns. It's on Twitter. Well, you know, anybody can put anything on Twitter. So the bottom line is, oh, they have the tape of him saying it? Yeah, he's actually in the, uh, on the, I don't know how they did the, the video, but it's on the video. And it's him. And, and it has him, and it's his, it has him on yeah, camera talking yeah. about, about getting violent after he got fired. Yeah. All right. Well, it may have been how he felt, but if that's, if that's how he really felt, then I think it's time for, the authorities to open up an investigation to see if he presents a possible threat to himself or to others. Well, I think it's quite obvious he does. Well, I don't know that it's quite obvious. We, we're we not trained. I'm not trained and you're not trained to assess Chris Cuomo and his state of mind. But I think if if there's an indication that he may be dealing with problems... That could ultimately culminate in in the use illegal use of guns if he has any. Then I think the uh, authorities, wherever he lives, I believe Long Island. I think the authorities should open an investigation. He's got a history of it, Bob. I mean, he threatened to throw a guy down the subway stairs and break both legs. Hey, a lot of people I know have been involved in violence, either getting in fights or threatening other people. Doesn't mean they can't own guns. Oh, isn't that what the red flag was? They're about somebody were to make a here. Here's the question, Vic. In New York State, there are about 20 million people, and this is serious. So, with the existing laws, anybody who has ever gotten into a fight or threatened violence, yeah, right. That that well, that's because he's privileged. Uh, well. Yes. In this country, we've already covered this in the past multiple times. Different different scales of justice for different people. For people like you and me, there's one set of rules, and for the wealthy and connected, there's another. But it's not new. You know, never for a minute think that this just started in the last two years. I'd say it's been going on for more than two centuries. And I don't think there's anything we can do about it. As far as if anybody believes Chris Cuomo poses a potential threat because he has access to firearms, I think they should contact the local police, wherever he lives, or the New York State Police, and then a formal investigation or a review should be conducted just to ascertain if he's okay. I think they would be doing him a favor if if it can be ascertained he poses any kind of threat. Personally, I don't think he does. If he said something about being angry, about being fired, well, um, think about it. Think about all the people you know who've ever been fired or if you've ever been fired. Is it typical to be angry when you lose your job? 
especially if you didn't do anything wrong. It's 946 News Radio WNBF. Don't you know, talking about a revolution sounds whisper. Don't you know, talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper. While they're standing in the welfare lines, crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation, wasting time. WNBF. Poor people gonna rise up and get their share. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. It's 9.50 with Bob Joseph. If you have thoughts, well, our phone line still appears to be operational, 607-772-1290. Forecast from the National Weather Service, showers developing today, 55 showers tonight, 48 rain and showers and sleet and snow tomorrow. With temperatures plunging to 27 by the end of the day, sunny Saturday, 41. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 40. Three at News Radio WNBF, your station, serving Binghamton and beyond. Uncle Sam. News Radio 53 WNBF. Dale from Binghamton, you're on the air on WNBF. Uh, good morning, Bob. <clears throat> well, nepotism is the worst time I got fired, but actually I didn't get fired. I quit before I could teach the other person what he should be doing, his son, you know. <laughs> and I fell onto a job that I did for the next 35 years. So, um, hey, it worked out well for you. So, oh yeah, I I loved what I did, you know. But anyway, the the bug people were here last night, and they they um <clears throat> they bolted that um tower right up to that small chimney there. So now it's pretty sturdy instead of blowing in the wind and everything. But that was pretty cool. They had this um, larger machine out there that. <clears throat> Where was that? Where was where? Where did you see this going on? Um, right at the train station, you know that tower there. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, it, they bolted it right to that small chimney, and now it's sturdier, a heck of a lot sturdier. It's not blowing in the wind or anything. Oh, good. But, 
Yeah, and they had uh, this gigantic machine, um, and there's this guy that stood on a ramp. It, was, it couldn't have been more than 12 feet wide, and he'd walk walk across the ramp on on these stilts in a suit, and he looked like a like a robot or something. <laughs> and I was looking out the just looking out the window at him. And he waved at me and did a little dance and everything. I said, "Holy cow!" He's whipping chains around, hooking under the trailer that they come across across from the mountain and everything. You know, I said, "Holy cow!" This guy's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah but he's a cool. professional. You can't try that yourself. I mean, he can do oh, it because yeah. he's a pro. Oh, no, I couldn't never do that. All right. Well, I'm glad it ended okay. Uh, yeah, appreciate the uh, the update on what's going on there because didn't want anybody to get hurt. Thank you very much, Dale. I've got uh, more calls coming up. Bob Joseph with you live on your Thursday morning, WNBF. At WNBF, WNBF News Time, 10 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, February 16th. You're listening to WNBF. A vacant blighted house met its end on Wednesday morning when City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram and Gorick Construction fired up the excavator. After about 20 minutes, what was an eyesore of a house to Conklin Avenue neighbors became a big pile of wood and glass. The property, located at 214 Conklin Avenue, will be incorporated into the city's side lot program. That means that either a neighbor will purchase the property or it will remain empty as a permanent green space for flood hazard mitigation. The city of Binghamton acquired the site after tax foreclosure by Broome County. $207,700 in funds for the demolition were provided by the Community Development Block Grant. Mayor Cram stated residents know blighted properties drag down entire neighborhoods, lowering nearby property values, attracting crime, and diminishing quality of life. The city will continue to be aggressive in acquiring and demolishing eyesores and protecting the integrity of our neighborhoods. The city of Binghamton will tear down five additional blighted properties in the coming weeks, located at 8 Franklin Street, 21 Pern Street, 18 Rutherford Avenue, 537 State Street, and 63 Walnut Street. One neighbor watching the demolition of the blighted property noted that it's an all-too-common phenomenon in Binghamton to have landlords abandon properties when they're no longer profitable, leaving them in a state of disrepair. He also noted that anytime neighborhood residents heard sirens or saw flashing red and blue lights, they already knew what property was the subject of police investigation. Mayor Cram also stated, Residents don't deserve to see this on their way to work. Neighbors don't deserve to see this when they look out their window. Kids who are walking to school don't deserve this. The condition of this property is clear and the city is taking action. A unique two-story building that had been a fixture on Upper Court Street in Kirkwood for almost a century was turned into a pile of rubble by a demolition team in a matter of minutes. Workers from Gorey Construction tore down the structure that had been home to service stations and at least one car dealership over the years. Broome County historian Roger Luther was surprised to see the activity on February 6th as he drove past the property just east of the Binghamton City line. Luther pulled over, grabbed the camera he always has with him, and took a few pictures of the demolition operation. Speaking on WMBF radio, Luther said, I loved that building. He thought the place would have made a nice little brewery or some other business. Luther said since he posted some of his photos online, he's learned everybody loved that building and everybody had plans to use it. He said the place was gone within about 45 minutes. Luther said he believes the brick building was constructed in 1929 by R.J. Bump for use as a service station. The place later was known as Gallagher Service Station, which sold blitz and gasoline. Raymond R. Knapp Auto Sales then operated at the site for several years. 
Luther noted railroad tracks ended next to the building. That's where coal was dropped from rail cars and then moved under Court Street using a conveyor system to the Binghamton State Hospital's power plant. The Court Street property is owned by an Elmira-based entity. Representatives of the company could not be reached to discuss a possible future use for the now-cleared site. The construction chaos continues as a Broome County Development Group races to reinvent the Oakdale Mall in Johnson City. The massive project to develop what will be known as Oakdale Commons began just over a year ago. The biggest part of the transformation so far has been the development of a 140,000-square-foot House of Sport concept store to be operated by Dick's Sporting Goods. The company has said the Oakdale Commons operation will be the largest of its House of Sports stores. Operations at the Johnson City location are to start this summer. Some observers believe the company hopes to open the store in conjunction with the Dick's Sporting Goods Open, which will be held in four months at Enjoy Golf Club in Endicott. Sarah Casella, senior manager for corporate communication at Dick's Sporting Goods on Wednesday, indicated the opening date for the new store has yet to be finalized. The company's website currently lists several management positions that will be available for the House of Sport unit in Johnson City. Meanwhile, several local and national businesses have been forced to leave the mall as construction work moves forward. Some operations received little advance notice that their current locations would no longer be available. Oakdale Commons representatives were not available for comment for this story. If you're looking forward to sledding or ice fishing at Nathaniel Cole Park in Broome County next weekend, the warm weather in the Binghamton area has ruined your plans. According to Chris Whalen, executive assistant to Broome County Executive Jason Garner, Broome County Winterfest has been canceled for 2023. Due to the warmer weather in the area, a generally mild winter overall, and no freezing blizzards in the forecast, there simply isn't enough snow and ice at Nathaniel Cole Park to hold the event. It's a plot twist that nobody could have seen coming. Sure, some days during the Binghamton winter have been a little warmer than the others over the years, but for the most part, you can always count on snow and ice to be on the ground at any given time around here in the month of February. We're only two years removed from Binghamton winning the Golden Snowball Award, a trophy ironically passed between upstate New York cities for whoever gets the most amount of snowfall. So being forced to cancel Winterfest 2023 because there's not enough snow and ice really says a lot about how mild this winter has been thus far. A white supremacist who killed 10 black people at a Buffalo supermarket has been sentenced to life in prison. Peyton Gendron was forced to listen as relatives of his victims expressed the pain and rage over the racist attack. Wednesday's sentencing was disrupted briefly when a man in the audience rushed at him and was quickly restrained. Gendron pleaded guilty to charges including murder and domestic terrorism motivated by hate. He still faces federal charges that could result in a death sentence if prosecutors choose to seek it. Judge Susan Egan said his rampage was a reckoning for a nation founded and built in part on white supremacy. A New York federal judge says former President Donald Trump missed his chance to use his DNA to try to prove he didn't rape a longtime magazine advice columnist. Judge Lewis Kaplan on Wednesday rejected the 11th hour offer by Trump's legal team to provide a DNA sample to rebut the claims of E. Jean Carroll. She said in a 2019 book that Trump raped her in the mid-1990s in a Manhattan department store dressing room. Trump says it never happened. Trump refused to provide DNA for three years before his lawyer said recently that he would provide it if the full DNA report on stains on Carroll's dress were released. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today's showers mainly after 2 p.m., a high near 55 degrees and 80% chance of rain. Tonight's showers mainly before 8 p.m., a low near 48 degrees, 80% chance of rain. Tomorrow, rain showers and sleep before 1 p.m., then a slight chance of snow showers and sleep between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m., then a slight chance of snow showers after 2 p.m. Temperatures falling to around 28 degrees by 5 p.m., wind gusts as high as 26 miles per hour and 80% chance of rain. 
Tomorrow night, a chance of snow showers, mainly between 8 p.m. and 2 a.m. Cloudy with a low near 18 degrees, 30% chance of snow. Saturday, sunny with a high near 41. Saturday night, partly cloudy, a low near 27. And Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 44. Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 34 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, news radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. WNBF on a Thursday morning. That is the number if you have some thoughts. 607-772-1290. And we thank you for joining us on WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. What is going on in the world today? Wouldn't you like to know? That's one of the reasons you listen to WNBF, so you have a sense of what is going on in the world. Now, in terms of President Biden explaining the UFOs and the spy balloons, well, we certainly we certainly are going to look forward to that. I know I am. No time like the present. Not sure why it's been secret they had a briefing for some senators about the ufos we've been hearing so much about so maybe today they haven't so far they haven't said when president biden will offer some more information i don't want to prejudge before he actually speaks but i uh, i'm not expecting I'm not expecting a big breakthrough on this topic today. I could be wrong, but based on what we've heard from members of Congress, it doesn't sound as though the administration wants to be very transparent about the UFOs. They are UFOs. I didn't say they're flying saucers. That's the last thing we need now is to deal with flying saucers, right? So far, it's been the spy balloon and objects. Objects. UFOs. Unidentified flying objects, UFOs, not flying saucers, as far as we know. The three most recent UFOs could be benign, 
according to sources. What? Probably is true. Even the spy balloon might have been benign. It shouldn't have been spying on us, but as we have mentioned previously, what do countries do? All countries, including this great country, all countries spy on each other. They do. It's just something countries do. Remember Reagan said, trust but verify. So even with our friends... We seem to be on good terms with Canada and Mexico, it would seem. But do we spy on them? I'm sure we do. So we spy on our friends, we spy on potential enemies, and we spy on everyone. And by the way, as we've also ascertained, the government is spying on you. Monitoring. That's We're monitoring you. Why do you think the government puts up all these cameras? Well, I mean, you know, so when there's a crime, they have uh, a video they can look at and find the perpetrator. Yeah, that's true. And why else? Why else do you think they put up the network of cameras and plate readers around Binghamton just to keep track of criminals? They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on the plate readers. How many criminals were actually caught thanks to the plate readers that they put up at all the big key entrances to Binghamton. Apparently not many. If they caught a lot of criminals because of the plate readers that were installed for hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax money, if they were that successful, they would have touted it as a big success. So we can only surmise that, yes, I mean, I I remember... Driving into work one morning, and the police were stopped on a west side street probably at about 4 o'clock in the morning. And I thought, well, that's interesting. It turns out some punks, I mean some young people, young residents of our region, uh, stole a car. And so they stopped them. And they said it was thanks to a plate reader. So, what do you know? Send 17, Bob Joseph, WNBF. Your- WNBF. Why? Because we care. 
607-772-1290 if you'd like to share some thoughts. I know I (laughs) have a few thoughts, and some of them I will share with you between now and noon, and then others I'll probably keep to myself until, shall we say, a more appropriate time. (laughs) I know you're saying, Jay, what could be... What could possibly be more appropriate? You're right. I probably should share all my thoughts at once. But then, what would I talk about tomorrow on the Friday program? Here at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Just um, amazing some of the things happening. I, I think, I think you're going to be surprised by a few things that happen over the next month here in Broome County. Well, I know you'll be surprised. Obviously, I don't know everything that's going to happen. There'll be some things that happen inevitably that will surprise me, and then there also some other things that uh, I know are in the pipeline that will certainly amuse a few people around here or surprise. People will say things like, hmm, didn't see that coming. (laughs) <laughs> no, you didn't, did you? Let's see, what else? I'm still worried about Chris Cuomo. So there is a story at DailyMail.com. So DailyMail.com had the story about Chris Cuomo revealing that This says he was going to do bad things after he was fired from CNN. He said, things can consume you. Former CNN anchor Chris Cuomo dramatically revealed he thought about doing bad things in the aftermath of his ousting from the struggling network, according to a story by Sophie Mann for uh, DailyMail.com. The... News Nation anchor was given the boot in late 2021 for doling out advice to his brother, the then governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, as he battled a sexual misconduct scandal. It was also revealed that Chris used his media connections and contacts to check on stories in the pipeline about his brother and traffic the information back to the governor's operatives. So those were journalistic improprieties, to say the least. Cuomo shared his struggle on a podcast hosted by a former White House communications director whose tenure at the podium lasted a week and a half. According to this, I'm not going to use the direct quote. We'll just say that Chris Cuomo was... I would say he was infuriated when he got fired at CNN. And as I mentioned earlier on the program, if you think back on people who get fired, people you know, maybe family members, maybe friends, maybe colleagues, heck, maybe yourself, think back on people who get fired, do do most people find it to be enjoyable? Do most people become infuriated? So I'm not sure what Chris Cuomo revealed in this podcast. I'm not sure 
I'm not sure that Chris Cuomo is any different from anyone else who gets dismissed by an employer. Despite Cuomo telling the guy that he's working on himself, his short temper is still reportedly calling the shots at his new News Nation gig. Well, I think it's been documented that Chris Cuomo's temper, just like his brother's temper, Andrew Cuomo had a temper. We, we heard about that. And it's been reported before about Chris Cuomo getting upset with people. So does he have anger management issues? Perhaps. Does his brother? Maybe. I don't know. I really don't know. And as far as does he pose a danger to himself or anyone else these days, I have no idea. If if as uh, a, a caller suggested that perhaps Andrew Cuomo shouldn't have access to guns, well, maybe maybe that is something that the state police or law enforcement authorities on Long Island, wherever he lives, maybe they should look into it just to be safe. I don't think anybody from the state police is going to wind up taking guns away from Chris Cuomo, but on the other hand, if they review his situation and then conclude that maybe he represents a threat to himself or to other people, maybe they would be doing him a favor by taking any guns he may have access to. I don't know. It's it's always good to be proactive as opposed to after something terrible happens to say, well, we knew or we thought we knew that that person was angry and we knew he had access to a gun, but we didn't do anything about it. It's 1028. This is Bob Joseph on your side. If you have thoughts, our number is 607-772-1290. Listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... Could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Let's go. 
1034 at WNBF. How many newspapers will be around in 10 years or even five years? How many newspapers will be left in New York State? Eight, four, one. Things are getting desperately bad, apparently, at the Buffalo News, a once proud newspaper that once was owned by a really rich guy. Now it's owned by a company that doesn't seem to care much about journalism anymore. They uh, are trying to force employees to go on furloughs, yeah, similar to what Gannett does. More cost-cutting, more cost-cutting at the Buffalo News, which is interesting because Buffalo News has already had a bunch of cost-cutting. But still, they're fairly well-staffed compared to Gannett Papers across New York State and across the USA today. Uh, According to John Harris, who is the union president at the uh, Buffalo Newspaper Guild, he says... The Guild wanted to put its foot down on more cost cuts. By the way, John Harris, the name sounds familiar. Well, it's because he used to work around here. So there, we wish them well. Says the Newspaper Guild in Buffalo will allow its members to take the unpaid leave voluntarily. But why would you? Unpaid furlough for two weeks? I mean, come on, man. Pay your journalists and hire more. We need more journalists in New York State, not fewer. 1036 at WNBF. Let's go back to the phones on this Thursday morning. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, John Solak, and I'm, I'm from Binghamton. I'm well, thank you, for, thank you for providing your full name. So I, I'm calling from my bedroom. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sounds like we're getting going to get way more personal on the program going forward, aren't we? You know. Well, th- there's no such thing as too much information. <laughs> well, John, just between you and me, what's your social security number, and can I have your uh, the, the information from your savings and checking accounts, please? Uh, Bob, I would be gladly bequeath that to me, be uh, to you, because it was an unlucky number and it didn't do me any good. Maybe. <laughs> but anyway, seriously, what's on, what's on your mind this morning as we as we delve into the 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 intimates on on intimate radio twelve ninety? Uh, hi, this is the way I see the district attorney's race. Uh, now, uh, while the uh, the third parties, you know, libertarian reform and all that are dead issues. There is nothing to pre- prevent a candidate from securing a, another ballot line for the purpose of this election. That's done. It's called the independent nominating process. And that's done. Uh, signatures are gathered for that after the uh, major parties have their uh, day. Uh now the only thing is sometimes signatures are hard to find because you can you cannot have the signee cannot sign the other petitions and that one too 
But uh, the way I view it in light of history, uh, any candidate that is running for the Republican nomination is foolhardy uh, not to secure uh, an independent nominating uh, line, too. Uh, for for reasons that things can come up uh, between now and election day that nobody foresaw, that's that's the uh, that's one of the issues. And the second issue is uh, it would be if if the Republican primary uh, goes without these independent lines, then it would the Republican primary essentially would be the election for district attorney because the Democrat Party. Uh, continues its tradition on uh, on uh, uh, losing uh, various things. Uh, if it wasn't for Leah Webb's personal uh, personal uh, political uh, operation, then uh, they wouldn't have won that one either. So that's the way I view it. Uh, y- you will. Uh, I can tell you one thing about Michael Korchak. He's not a taxpayer man. Uh, from the very beginning of his regime, uh, even before it started, he uh, wanted to nail down pay raises uh, to his assistants, which, of course, these people, uh, the top people at the district attorney's office, want to juice their pensions because the last four years are the only years that count. And so he gave out big pay raises. Uh, he uh, Continued the tradition of hiring double dippers, ex-law enforcement, with full full million dollar pensions, but he did one better. He actually raised, uh, gave them uh, status that they weren't entitled to. So he he not only allows them to double dip, but he allows them to maximize uh, the paychecks coming out of his office. But isn't that the way it's always done in Broome County? Well, it's done in a lot of counties. Right. The, well, I, yeah, I don't want to single out Broome County, but because we're here in Broome County, it seems to me that's sort of been traditional. Or It's not new, is it? Uh, well, no, there's a number. If you look at the uh, number of uh, district attorneys, Fitzpatrick comes to mind. He's collecting a full pension as district attorney plus his salary. Uh, you know, because he's got to, you know, he's got to keep up with Jim Beheim, his his friend. Oh, don't <laughs> that he let off. You would have to bring up Beheim. Don't do that because, and I'm going to exercise incredible, incredible restraint. I am not going to say one more word about that guy today, but I can't be so sure about tomorrow. I've been, I've been on the verge of of talking about coach that's how you have to refer to him too coach i have been on the verge of saying something about that guy really for the last few weeks and so far i've been good but i i'm not sure well, that my i'm not sure i can continue my restraint tomorrow today though um, fortunately for the listeners i'll i'll exercise restraint at least until noon well i you know new process gear i think that's gone but it it, it would be interesting if it was still going See how long he lasts up there, <laughs> you know, ah. on the line. Uh, well, there's, it's actually that's funny. T- <laughs> uh, oh my gosh! I, you know, thank you for uh, inserting just a little bit of levity into the proceedings. Well, no, no. So, I, I mean, all I'm saying is this: uh, Korchak is not a taxpayer person. Uh, that's that's one way to run the show. Uh, not the only way. Uh, you can be cognizant as a department head. You should be cognizant of the money going out the window and and seeing uh, whether or not it's uh, cost effective or not. Now, there's other problems 
uh, with that office. But we'll go into that at a later date, if you don't mind. Uh, there's one other thing I want to talk about. This uh, family leave, uh, 12 weeks in New York State for uh, state employees, non-union state employees. Now, you know, it's interesting. They say, well, we're going to negotiate with the union employees. Oh, okay, well, that's a, a good a good negotiating tactic. You you give 12 weeks of paid family leave uh, to the to the non-union people, and boy, you're ready to go into those negotiations strong. But I just want to say this: uh, you know, uh, if you add 12 weeks of family pay, because these you know these state employees know how to maximize everything, and then you take the sick days, and then you take I don't know over a dozen holidays with more coming, you know, Juneteenth, more more holidays all the time. If you take all this, you're looking at a six-month work year for these people. Uh, You know, so uh, 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 that's that's interesting. But when they're uh, on family leave, of course, they're on the payroll and they're accruing pension credits too. So it's uh, uh, you know, if if, uh, my hats off to anybody that takes a civil service test because. If you can't lick them, uh, join them, and that's 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 the way it is around here. Oh yeah, so. no, I I know more than a few people who oh. <laughs> who are very happy that they that they made those choices. I mean, from a financial standpoint, you can understand why why uh, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of servants, a lot of people who are paid with tax money. It's easy easy to understand why they smile so often and sometimes more often than the average joe on court street well uh we got our reefer so we don't care <laughs> thank you <laughs> guy from the binghamton uh, west side i believe Ten forty four. oh my goodness it's true it's 2023 you know if Somebody asked me to make predictions 10 years ago. I'm not sure how much of this I would have managed to get correct. Anyway, if you have thoughts, 607-772-1290. Still monitoring the White House to see what the president has to say about UFOs. Gosh, I <laughs> I hope I hope the president will make some news with it. I do. I really want some actual news about the UFOs because we've waited too long. You know, this has been going on now for days, and the only the only good explanation the only good explanation is that it really it really is the aliens or the extra uh, terrestrial type people that normally you just watch in the movies, that they're coming for us. And not, not necessarily coming for us, but coming to join us here, probably because they receive some sort of information from Fox News that there's a lot of fun in the United States, so they probably want to join us so they can get in on the fun, because even... Aliens probably have come to the conclusion you only live once. So hopefully, when the president does speak to the nation about the unidentified flying objects, hopefully he'll have something really compelling to share with us, and not just a bunch of mundane, well, these objects were not 
significance. So go back to your business. There's nothing to see here. Now we need we need something that we need something that's so powerful it'll force newspapers to put out extra editions. That's how powerful. That's how powerful the presidential revelation should be today. Extra edition of all your favorite local newspapers on newsstands at 4 o'clock this afternoon. That's the kind of news I want from the White House today. Bob Joseph live on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. We interrupt this record to bring you a special bulletin. The reports of a flying saucer hovering over the city have been confirmed. The flying saucers are real. That was the Clatters recording... Too real. We switch you now to our on-the-spot reporter downtown. Come on, baby, let's go downtown. Take it away, John Cameron Cameron. Uh, This is John Cameron Cameron downtown. Uh, Pardon me, madam, would you tell our audience what would you do if the saucer were to land? Thank you. And now the thin gentleman there. What I'm gonna do is hard to tell. Uh, The gentleman with the guitar, what would you do, sir? Take a walk down the street. Thank you. We return you now. That was the Pelican's Outer Space recording Earth. I've just been handed a bulletin. The flying saucer has just landed. We switch you again downtown. Uh, here we are again. We have with us Professor Sir Cedric Fentingmold of the British Institute. And the professor is approaching the saucer to see if there's possibly any sign of life aboard. Well, I'm sure something. Are you there? I hear you now. That was Lapping Lewis's record, Knocking. This is John Cameron Cameron on the spot. And now I believe we're about to hear the words of the first spaceman ever to land on Earth. Oh, bob, 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 bamboo. And now here are the ball scores. Four to three, six to two, and eight to one. The impact of seeing the first spaceman has this reporter reeling. Here That was the Clatters again with their big one. Uh, oh, this is John Cameron Cameron again downtown. The spaceman has returned to his ship and is taking off. We return you now to our studios. The flying saucer has gone. There is no threat of an invasion. However, the flying saucers are still around. not going to interrupt this record. Yes, we are. The flying saucer has landed again. Washington. The Secretary of Defense has just said... That was Skinny Dynamo's record. 
That's a shame. Have you seen John Cameron Cameron Part 2? Gathered around me are several of the spacemen. Tell us, have you come to conquer the world? And now would you repeat that in English? Don't want the world to have and hold. Hey, why don't you go back where you came from? Don't be angry and drive me away. We return you now to our studios. Here is a news item from Washington. The president has just issued a statement to the spacemen, and we quote... That was Pa Gherkin's record, Shoes. We switch you again downtown. This is John Cameron Cameron downtown. Uh, Professor Cedric of the British Institute, tell us, uh, how were the saucers able to land? Where do you see... Motor cooled down, the heat went down. That was Huckleberry's recording... The motor cooled down. Uh, this is John Cameron Cameron again. I believe the spaceman has a final parting word. See you later, alligator. We return you now to our studios. The spacemen have gone again. But look to the skies. The saucers will always be there. Always be there. Goodbye, Earth people. <laughs> Well, at least John Cameron Cameron didn't get arrested during his live shot. So obviously that report must have been filed earlier for broadcast at this time. Because if he was doing a live shot, it's conceivable that some guy from the Ohio National Guard would try to shut him down because, well, you know, the First Amendment and everything. Now, as far as uh, NORAD Command General Glenn Van Herc, of course, the other day he was talking about the UFOs that um, reportedly have been floating over the United States and Canada. So, as you perhaps recall, General Van Herc was asked by a journalist, well, what about it? Could it be aliens? I'll let the intel community and the uh, counterintelligence community figured that out. I haven't ruled out anything uh, at this point. We continue to assess uh, every threat or potential threat unknown that approaches North America uh, with an attempt to identify it. Okie dokie. It's 10.53. This is Bob Joseph. There is nothing to fear. As long as you're listening here. 607-772-1290. If you have thoughts, again, if you've seen some of the flying objects yourself maybe you have spotted one over shenango county or perhaps you saw one over susquehanna county if you have seen spy balloons or other objects recently that have caused you to lose some sleep give us a call bob joseph live thursday morning at news radio wnbf 92.1 fm 1290 a.m and Always available on the free WNBF app. It's Jesse.
Red Shoes, 1056 WNBF on this Thursday. Hey, February 16th, so we are in the second half of February. We made it through the first half of February, and I would say hey, the last two weeks have been definitely, definitely better than we probably had expected or certainly probably than we really hoped so hopefully this weather trend might continue to an extent over the next month or two things are about to change though tonight here's the official forecast now from the national weather service things in a little bit of context cloudy today showers developing this afternoon high 56 tonight it'll be interesting cloudy Showers and thunderstorms, low 49. Rainfall tonight, up to a quarter of an inch, except higher amounts possible in thunderstorms. Tomorrow will be chilly. It will be chilly compared to today and blustery. Rain showers and sleet in the morning, then some rain and snow showers in the afternoon, and some thunder is also possible. Temperatures will fall throughout the day tomorrow, probably wind up around 29 tomorrow afternoon. It'll be breezy, snow and sleet accumulations of less than a half inch possible, and then for the weekend... Uneventful, but cooler. Sunny on Saturday, high 41. Mostly cloudy Sunday, high 44. Right now, it's 45 at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Interesting little development that happened in Albany with the state senate. Really, uh, Really taught uh, a lesson, I guess, to Kathy Hochul when it comes to uh, nominating judges. So it didn't it didn't go well. Kathy Hochul had uh, thought that she found just the right person, just the right person, and then in the end. The Democrats who control the state Senate decided that the person that she chose was not to their liking. They thought for some reason he was too conservative. So Hector LaSalle was rejected in a vote by the state Senate. So senators held an unexpected floor vote. And basically, as the New York Times put it in its story, the action amounted to an extraordinary repudiation of Kathy Hochul by members of her own party at the start of her first full term as governor. So Hector LaSalle lost, and Democrats in the state Senate managed to flex their muscles and teach... um, Kathy Hochul, an important lesson about who runs things in Albany. So Kathy Hochul today must be pretty disgusted that members of her own party basically pulled a fast one 
and held sort of a, a snap vote on Hector LaSalle and rejected her nominee. More calls coming up. I'm Bob Joseph on W. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, February 16th. You're listening to WNBF. A vacant blighted house met its end on Wednesday morning when City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram and Gorick Construction fired up the excavator. After about 20 minutes, what was an eyesore of a house to Conklin Avenue neighbors became a big pile of wood and glass. The property, located at 214 Conklin Avenue, will be incorporated into the city's side lot program. That means that either a neighbor will purchase the property or it will remain empty as a permanent green space for flood hazard mitigation. The city of Binghamton acquired the site after tax foreclosure by Broome County. $207,700 in funds for the demolition were provided by the Community Development Block Grant. Mayor Cram stated residents know blighted properties drag down entire neighborhoods, lowering nearby property values, attracting crime, and diminishing quality of life. The city will continue to be aggressive in acquiring and demolishing eyesores and protecting the integrity of our neighborhoods. The city of Binghamton will tear down five additional blighted properties in the coming weeks, located at 8 Franklin Street, 21 Pern Street, 18 Rutherford Avenue, 537 State Street, and 63 Walnut Street. One neighbor watching the demolition of the blighted property noted that it's an all-too-common phenomenon in Binghamton to have landlords abandon properties when they're no longer profitable, leaving them in a state of disrepair. He also noted that anytime neighborhood residents heard sirens or saw flashing red and blue lights, they already knew what property was the subject of police investigation. Mayor Cram also stated, Residents don't deserve to see this on their way to work. Neighbors don't deserve to see this when they look out their window. Kids who are walking to school don't deserve this. The condition of this property is clear and the city is taking action. A unique two-story building that had been a fixture on Upper Court Street in Kirkwood for almost a century was turned into a pile of rubble by a demolition team in a matter of minutes. Workers from Gorey Construction tore down the structure that had been home to service stations and at least one car dealership over the years. Broome County historian Roger Luther was surprised to see the activity on February 6th as he drove past the property just east of the Binghamton City line. Luther pulled over, grabbed the camera he always has with him, and took a few pictures of the demolition operation. Speaking on WMBF radio, Luther said, I loved that building. He thought the place would have made a nice little brewery or some other business. Luther said since he posted some of his photos online, he's learned everybody loved that building and everybody had plans to use it. He said the place was gone within about 45 minutes. Luther said he believes the brick building was constructed in 1929 by R.J. Bump for use as a service station. The place later was known as Gallagher Service Station, which sold Blitz and Gasoline. Raymond R. Knapp Auto Sales then operated at the site for several years. Luther noted railroad tracks ended next to the building. That's where coal was dropped from rail cars and then moved under Court Street using a conveyor system to the Binghamton State Hospital's power plant. The Court Street property is owned by an Elmira-based entity. Representatives of the company could not be reached to discuss a possible future use for the now-cleared site. The construction chaos continues as a Broome County Development Group races to reinvent the Oakdale Mall in Johnson City. The massive project to develop what will be known as Oakdale Commons began just over a year ago. The biggest part of the transformation so far has been the development of a 140,000-square-foot House of Sport concept store to be operated by Dick's Sporting Goods. The company has said the Oakdale Commons operation will be the largest of its House of Sports stores. Operations at the Johnson City location are to start this summer. Some observers believe the company hopes to open the store in conjunction with the Dick's Sporting Goods Open, which will be held in four months at Enjoy Golf Club in Endicott. 
Sarah Casella, senior manager for corporate communication at Dick's Sporting Goods on Wednesday, indicated the opening date for the new store has yet to be finalized. The company's website currently lists several management positions that will be available for the House of Sport unit in Johnson City. Meanwhile, several local and national businesses have been forced to leave the mall as construction work moves forward. Some operations received little advance notice that their current locations would no longer be available. Oakdale Commons representatives were not available for comment for this story. If you're looking forward to sledding or ice fishing at Nathaniel Cole Park in Broome County next weekend, the warm weather in the Binghamton area has ruined your plans. According to Chris Whalen, Executive Assistant to Broome County Executive Jason Garner, Broome County Winterfest has been canceled for 2023. Due to the warmer weather in the area, a generally mild winter overall, and no freezing blizzards in the forecast, there simply isn't enough snow and ice at Nathaniel Cole Park to hold the event. It's a plot twist that nobody could have seen coming. Sure, some days during the Binghamton winter have been a little warmer than the others over the years, but for the most part, you can always count on snow and ice to be on the ground at any given time around here in the month of February. We're only two years removed from Binghamton winning the Golden Snowball Award, a trophy ironically passed between upstate New York cities for whoever gets the most amount of snowfall. So being forced to cancel Winterfest 2023 because there's not enough snow and ice really says a lot about how mild this winter has been thus far. A white supremacist who killed 10 black people at a Buffalo supermarket has been sentenced to life in prison. Peyton Gendron was forced to listen as relatives of his victims expressed the pain and rage over the racist attack. Wednesday's sentencing was disrupted briefly when a man in the audience rushed at him and was quickly restrained. Gendron pleaded guilty to charges including murder and domestic terrorism motivated by hate. He still faces federal charges that could result in a death sentence if prosecutors choose to seek it. Judge Susan Egan said his rampage was a reckoning for a nation founded and built in part on white supremacy. A New York federal judge says former President Donald Trump missed his chance to use his DNA to try to prove he didn't rape a longtime magazine advice columnist. Judge Lewis Kaplan on Wednesday rejected the 11th hour offer by Trump's legal team to provide a DNA sample to rebut the claims of E. Jean Carroll. She said in a 2019 book that Trump raped her in the mid-1990s in a Manhattan department store dressing room. Trump says it never happened. Trump refused to provide DNA for three years before his lawyers said recently that he would provide it if the full DNA report on stains on Carol's dress were released. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, showers mainly after 2 p.m., a high near 55 degrees and 80% chance of rain. Tonight, showers mainly before 8 p.m., a low near 48 degrees, 80% chance of rain. Tomorrow, rain showers and sleep before 1 p.m., then a slight chance of snow showers and sleep between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m., then a slight chance of snow showers after 2 p.m. Temperatures falling to around 28 degrees by 5 p.m., wind gusts as high as 26 miles per hour and 80% chance of rain. Tomorrow night, a chance of snow showers mainly between 8 p.m. and 2 a.m., cloudy with a low near 18 degrees, 30% chance of snow. Saturday sunny with a high near 41, Saturday night partly cloudy, a low near 27, and Sunday mostly cloudy with a high near 44, Sunday night mostly cloudy, a low near 34 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, news radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Bob Joseph, live on News Radio WNBF on this Thursday morning. If you want to talk, 607-772-1290. That's our number. If you want to talk on WNBF.
Let's go right to the phones. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Went right to the phones, huh? Wow. Joan from Bampton. Morning. Good morning. Well, I hear that Mayor Cram wants to seize the Binghamton Plaza under eminent domain. Going to be some big meeting, I guess. The tenants are getting together and going to go and down to courthouse on Tuesday and uh, object. Uh, well, good. Good for them. Oh, okay. This is old news. No news to me, but no, I, I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, the mayor doesn't come on this program, so who knows? Ah. Who knows what he's up to? The only way ah. I know, the only way I know what he's up to, are what uh, listeners tell me. So I, no, I'm, I'm writing that down. Eminent domain, and yeah, I guess wh- he wants to turn it. They said turn it into part of Ossinango Park. Which really, kind of silly to me, but you know, I mean, what. Why would he do that? I, <laughs> I'm asking you. I'm not. Oh, don't ask me. Uh, no, I mean, all I can say is that's that's strange. He wants he wants say. to turn the Binghamton Plaza, which has uh, about how many businesses uh, do you believe are operating there now? If you had to guess, oh, probably about six or seven. All right. That's what I would have guessed. I would have said maybe a half dozen. So uh, some of these business operators are going to go to court? Well, they're going to go down, I guess, and uh, stand up for themselves. I guess there's some kind of meeting that's proposed or something. I I didn't get the total details on Okay. It. Yeah. They're but who are they going to meet with? Are they going to meet with the mayor? Um... I assume they're gonna they're gonna meet with uh, uh, the mayor or with some representative that's you know that's of the court of him trying to uh, uh, elicit eminent domain. I guess. Uh, well, he he may be within his rights because wasn't it the didn't he claim that the people that own the property are behind on paying their taxes? Well, supposedly, from what I've been told, they aren't. Galisi is apparently paid up. Oh, okay. All right. That's well, what I, that's what I was told. Now, you know, I right. I, I I can only, you know, go from there. Well, let you know, me thanks. look back on some stories because uh, he last July he announced that the city was taking legal action to take control of that property. So that, that's what he said. Uh, in July, and according to this story at WNBF.com, the uh, owners had filed for bankruptcy in 2019, uh, owing more than $739,000 in property taxes, and that was later reduced through litigation. And then, let's see... The mayor had said then that uh, the city could use eminent domain if the taxes weren't paid. Now, let me see, that's that's what the mayor said last July. Now, there's a more recent story from September, and this was uh, 
Oh, Jim Emke at Channel 34 at mm. BinghamtonHomePage.com. Mm-hmm. So his story in September said uh, a federal judge threw out the bankruptcy case of the Binghamton Plaza, potentially clearing the way for the city to seize the property. Um, it said, according to the mayor, that the bankruptcy court judge dismissed the filing of Gillespie Realty, the owners of the plaza, and the mayor said that opens the path for the city to seize the property using eminent domain. The mayor said the dismissal allows the city to resume its effort to collect $400,000 owed in back taxes. He said a lengthy legal process would still need to take place before the property could be taken, but city attorneys will submit an eminent domain filing soon. He said he had heard a lot of support from residents to deal with the eyesore um, as far as turning it into Otsenango Park or something like it, which, again, that boggles the mind, but then... Well, maybe turning it into, uh, you know, uh, low-end housing like they did, I guess, across the street sure, there. Sure, that paid, would be good. That's paid town. half a million up an apartment for each apartment over there, right. you know. Yeah, town and country. That turned out to be uh, a, a rousing success. I remember Rich David announced a big plan with some guy from Boston to mm-hmm. fix up town and country apartments, and that never happened. Um, let's see. Uh, a guy from Gillespie apparently told Channel 34 uh, his company will vigorously oppose any efforts to take the property. That guy, Mike Tomasulo, told News Channel 34 Gillespie had drawn up detailed plans to develop a veteran center on the property. So hmm. wouldn't it be better to have a veteran center than to have a park? I think veterans would be well served. Well, I think you could probably have a veteran center and some uh, of the businesses that are still there. I mean, it's a fairly big piece of property, so I would assume... Why don't they build another incinerator? The city used to have an incinerator over there. Why don't they build an incinerator, and that way they wouldn't have to take any of the city's trash up to the landfill and pay those tipping mm-hmm. fees, and that, mm-hmm. that way we could save a lot of money for oh, yeah, for yeah, people yeah. who don't like paying for those blue bags. Yeah. Well, anyway, got to run. So okay, thanks. I guess uh, you'll, it's just something for you to yeah. show up on Tuesday at, I guess. Okay, thanks. Well, you never know. I mean, seriously, around here you never know because they're certainly not going to tell you <laughs> and they certainly if you call them they certainly aren't going to return your call that that's the one thing that we know you call yes could you ask him to call me oh sure what's your number oh sure There are even some developers and business people around here who at least return calls. So that's that's what makes it truly interesting. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, it's uh, Jim from Binghamton. My, my ears were ringing. Oh, thank you, Mr. Emke. So what's the latest, and this is Jim Emke from News Channel 34, a fan of the program. So what's, uh, what, are you, what are you hearing about the uh, the fabled Binghamton Plaza property on West State Street. 
Well, I, I, it looks as though it's home to one of the number of proliferating sticker shops in our community. So that's that's something noteworthy. I know. Uh, I was I was there about three months ago, and I wanted to interview the lad, and he said he wouldn't do interviews. He, I mean, he was amiable enough, but he also declined an interview opportunity because the big guy wouldn't let him speak with me officially. But uh, so, th- is that still open? I thought I thought the cops came one day and closed it down. That's a good question. I, you know, uh, honestly, I, I shame on me. I, I shouldn't. Have, I, I may have spoken out of turn there. They may have. They may have shut it down. It, it's funny. Sometimes the cops come and they do raids, and then the places remain open. So I, I know they closed down the one on Floral Ave and JC, but there's a B Mills on uh, the Avenue in Endicott. They got raided, but then they were still operating afterwards. So the raids don't necessarily always mean that they're closed down. No, that's true. I've, and I've talked to some mayors and police chiefs around here who sort of feel frustrated they take action sometimes it's related to code issues or or other issues and it's it's basically been difficult the one the one uh, store that definitely was put out of business was over on floral avenue when johnson city police and code enforcement officials a few months ago uh, stopped over there to shut it down and and that's that one is completely gone. So as getting back to the Binghamton Plaza, now, of course, everyone loves the pizza place. The, right. the pizza place has been there for decades, New York Pizza. Right. Um, the guy with his extreme... Also, there's the shoe repair. Yes. The shoe repair guy. He's very talented. He's I, extremely I talented. And he's been in business for over half a century. That's yeah. you know that's a it's a dying art a lost art and that place I believe I think we I think we had his wife on the program two or three years ago and I think at that point they had been there for for almost fifty years so that's been part of the plaza then the the guy who was running extreme bargain bins I know he opened that place up a little less than a year ago I haven't been there since but I I thought that was still operational yeah. Yeah. The reason I was calling was just in response to the uh, concept of doing some kind of housing. As it turns out, uh, according to the mayor, because it's built on a dump, um, they don't believe that environmentally it would make sense because there would need to be a level of remediation, sort of similar to when they tore down Anatec. And there was a lot of debate about what to put on the old Anatex site because they cleaned it to a certain standard that was, um, you know, good enough, I suppose, for, for, for business or industry, but, but not considered good enough for, for residential. Well, that's uh, going to be good enough for, for them to start growing cannabis there. That's, that's supposed to be the, uh, the big economic development breakthrough coming later this year to the first ward. Most cannabis is, is grown in, in, in the soil of whatever property. I mean, sure, in, in some farms and such, but I think if they're looking to do a, a cannabis operation in the first ward, it's, it's likely indoor with uh, with their own soil that they brought in. That, that's my assumption on that. Oh, I don't know that much about it, James. Um, yeah. But 
couldn't they do the same thing then, say, over on the Binghamton Plaza site, put up some sort of relatively inexpensive type thing so in case there was uh, a flooding issue? I mean, obviously, we know because it used to be a city landfill up until basically the early to mid-60s when the shopping plaza was developed. Um, and we see the way the parking lot constantly was shifting and sinking because of the, the a trash buried below. Seems to me they they might put in a maybe a cannabis operation over there, at least on part of the property. Yeah. It, I just hope that whatever ends up going there, should the Binghamton Plaza ever either be torn down or just fall down on its own, that it, it's something that really um, reflects our community in a positive light because that location is so visible from the highway. It would be wonderful if we had something that was really well-designed architecturally, something that was a bit eye-catching and that, you know, made us look like something more than a burnt-out industrial town, as the New York Times likes to refer to <laughs> Oh, thank you for identifying. I was going to say, that's what the New York Times Magazine famously wrote when they were doing a, I think they were doing a story about um, Randall Terry, of all people, and when they, somebody somebody who was writing the New York Times Magazine piece needed a, a shorthand way to describe Binghamton, and yeah, I, I, I was somewhat taken aback, but then again... The New York Times reporter was probably here for about four hours. So, anything else well, going on? Through on the highway, often it, it doesn't necessarily represent our our community very well. Same goes for the Brandywine driving into downtown. Some of the the backs of uh, Liberty Street. Oh, that's it's true. Fortunate that we can't. Yeah, it does look. Looks kind of bleak. Although now that you know, now that you think about it, so and again. We're pretending that we're city planners here and not journalists. But now that you think about the future of, of that uh, Binghamton Plaza site, um, it is really just adjacent to Sherry Lindsay Park. So you've got the Sherry Lindsay Park with its swimming pool, a skate park, and uh, some other amenities. Plus you have the dog park next to that as you go further south. And then, basically, you're almost to the Binghamton Plaza, so maybe they could turn it into sort of um, uh, a multi-purpose recreational site for city residents. You know, maybe that is ultimately the the best possible use for that land. Yeah. So, so my understanding is there are a number of structural concerns with that building. There are, are portions of it that are essentially caving in. Um, so inevitably something's going to have to give. And my understanding is Mr. Gillespie is, is quite elderly at this point. Um, I'm not sure how much he's still engaged in the day-to-day operations of his uh, real estate holdings. Like I said, I <clears throat> my contact uh, tends to be this um, Mike Tomasulo, uh, who's, who's very uh, easy to, to, to reach and pretty easy to pretty forthcoming with their point of view but they clearly don't want their their property seized <laughs> well it's that interesting you know to note because around the same time that uh, the Gillespie people 
from New Jersey were developing the Binghamton Plaza. Shortly after that, they developed the Endicott Plaza also over a landfill. So they had two, for at least a few decades, they had two very busy and and quite popular retail sites in Broome County uh, with various department stores, uh, Grand Way, Grand Union, uh, I believe Binghamton Plaza had a Grant store, and then ultimately, of course, Kmart, which closed several years right. ago. Um, and then, fortunately, as as our listeners know, that the old Kmart there in Endicott now is being transformed into uh, a warehousing operation, and that should mean several dozen jobs coming to that site over the next year or so with that company out right. of Vermont. So, Because, fortunately, that building evidently is in fairly good shape, unlike what is left of the Binghamton Plaza. As you mentioned, there are, are ongoing structural issues there. Any other big news that, that you've noticed over the last couple of hours that I, I need to follow up on when I wrap up the talk program? Well, you know, Bob, we ought to trade tips here. You know, this isn't a one-way street. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. your listeners to, to a story that is quite heartbreaking, unfortunately, but this is and the news isn't always good. Um, sadly, it seems an eighth-grade girl walking home from Sydney schools uh, yesterday was struck by an alleged drunk driver and is in critical condition up in Syracuse. So that's something I would uh, direct your viewers to check out on our website, BinghamtonHomePage.com, and hopefully um, she pulls through and... Uh, We'll certainly update that story with any additional information, uh, including if there are specific ways that the community can show their support to her family. Oh, thank you for calling that to my attention. I see that was uh, just posted in the last 15 minutes or so, I believe, by Pat Giblin. So, uh, and I was unaware of that. That's uh, that's a heartbreaking story, and, and hopefully she'll do okay. Well, uh, Jim Emke, of course, you and your colleagues doing uh, great work at News Channel 34 on TV, at uh, on cable channels 5 and 6, and also online at BinghamtonHomePage.com. I always appreciate your uh, your information and uh, assistance. Yeah, and obviously I think you do a good job too, Bob, or else I wouldn't be listening. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate your support. Hope you have a great day. All right, you too. Take care. It's eleven thirty. This is News Radio for the Twin Tiers and Beyond. WNBF ninety two one FM, twelve ninety AM and at WNBF.com. WNBF Live at 11.33, Bob Joseph on your Thursday morning with all the information you need. Joined now by John Tokas, who is the property manager at the Binghamton Plaza on West State Street. Good morning, sir. Good morning. So what's the what's the latest? I, I hadn't heard much was uh, going on with respect to the property in, in recent weeks. So can you uh, bring me up to speed with what, the, what's taking place? The taxes place? are paid up. Okay. They, they paid the taxes back, in, I believe, in September, uh, November. They just got all that. That stuff is all done. But people don't understand what the problem is and why we can't do some of this stuff here. It's mainly because of a gas line that, 
NYSIG has on a roof that we've been trying for three years to have him move it. You know, but this applies the whole plaza, so we just can't cut it. It's got to be brought into a different way. Um, most of these buildings, I mean, nobody's even walked them. We actually have no violations. You know, even though we know it needs a facelift, you know, part of the buildings need to be taken down. Larry Pierce gave us numbers. Corey gave us numbers to do a lot of this demolition and stuff like that. He does want to put a veteran center, but he only wants to take part of it out to put the veteran center in it. And he wanted to use, like, the Kmart building, you know, to have something, even, the, you know, the marijuana grow or, or just, a, like, a horticulture thing because it was more relaxing for, you know, people like that to have, you know, not really jobs that are real stressful. Right, his, his big deal, big big thing is, and he's gone hold. He's still gone hold to do it. I mean, when, when he started that deal up in Bethlehem, I mean, he spent a ton of money on designs and everything else, but it never happened. He went up to Bethlehem Hills and you know put the kibosh on that. I mean, the mayor has never walked in. You know, like the Kmart building, it's actually in really good shape. You know. He's got new rooftop units. The roof's in good shape, all the way down to the render center. Then they want to take the Chinese, the old Chinese restaurant, the home Hallmark, and maybe the other two sections, the old shopping, the old theater, and the old uh, dental office. They do want to take them down. They got all the prices, but the problem is we've got to move the gas line. Well, he definitely wants to keep it. I mean, people don't understand. This employees, just like probably 60 employees, six employees, at least 60-some people here, you know, full-time. So uh, so how many businesses actually are there? As Jim Emke well, and I, I were talking, we thought maybe six or seven. Or are there more? Actually, a little bit more. We have uh, the convenience store out front. We have the daycare, which really provides a lot of services for, you know, people walk here all the time. We have the two flea markets. Um, the PJs, we have uh, the show place, we have the, the pet store, we have uh, Renaissance Center, we have H&R Block, we have the new grocery store, which is uh, Bargain Groceries, we have the Extreme Bargain Bin, the pizza parlor, and the shoe store. And we got a couple of areas that we do, you know, people lease for storage, just, just you know, for the flea market people. But I know some people don't like this flea market thing. Most people, a lot of people love it, but people say, "Oh, it's just a flea market, a flea market." But their employees, they have over a hundred vendors per person, and that extra fifty dollars these people make, or a hundred dollars on the weekends, a lot of money to them. I mean, you can't really take this away from some of these people. You know? And it's been going on for quite a while. Correct. I mean, they don't. They don't. They just come over and they make just because it looks terrible in the parking lots are no worse than the damn city roads, you know. And that's the truth. I mean. And well, and city. in some cases, even, uh, you know, the parking I, garage. Hang on a second. I guess yeah. radio. Yeah. It's 1137 at WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. We're speaking with John Tokus, who is the property manager at the Binghamton Plaza on the north side on West State Street. Oh, yeah, I'm here back. So uh, Binghamton Plaza, as I recall, was constructed, it seems, in around 1963 or 1964. Is that correct? Correct. And that was a big deal at the time. And, and for those of us who've lived here all our lives, we we remember how, how thriving and bustling it was. Of course, times were different then. A lot of people were doing a lot of shopping at various stores. Times have changed, and a lot of people now shop online. But as you point out, there are... Still, a series of shops, and and people are are actually transacting business seven days a week in the plaza. Correct, and there's 
you know, like Kmart. Like everybody says, oh, they got all this money. But Kmart was in bankruptcy. No, people don't understand. Kmart was in bankruptcy years and years before they finally moved out, and they were only getting partial rent just to keep them here. They had these long-term contracts where you really can't move them, right? But we couldn't let Kmart go in the first place because, you know, it's an income, and there's no big business. Big stores are gone forever. You know, there's going to be no targets, going to be nothing over here. And then they shut down Shenango Street, and they really put a damper on it for the last three or four years when they shut their damn bridge down. You know, for the people around here. You know, that's why Lupus is closed. CVS are all closed. There's nothing here no more. Yeah, well, it's become a virtual ghost town. And and let's face it, the city's north side was cut in half for 14 months by the DOT because of the bridge project, which, by the way, I found fascinating. And I don't know what you think about this. I never, never heard a peep out of anybody from the city, whether it was from the mayor, from the police chief, the fire chief, anybody on city council. I never heard a single person suggest that this was causing major havoc for people who live and, and work and do business on the north side. Correct. The north side is really ignored. The north side is actually, you know, the poorest part in Binghamton. I mean, you look at everything about it, but and people walk from that country town apartments, and nobody has cars, you know. I mean, it's the most poorest section of Binghamton. They walk to this Binghamton Plaza. They walk to the pizza park. They walk to, to the bank, the little bank out there. That's another business is there, you know, the, the drive-up bank. They bring their kids over from the daycare so they can either go, you know, to work fair or, or go to their jobs. They drop, drop the kids off the day for it. But if you ever were here and see how many people walk here, and that, now we have the, the chow comes every two, every Tuesday, last Tuesday of the month. I think that's this month. They might come the 20, 21st, right? There's 160 cars, at least, over 100 and something cars every month of people that, you know, need, you know, don't have food and stuff like that. And they line up in this parking lot and they come up on their bicycles. They come, you know, and, and bring their baby carriages just to get food. I mean, there's a lot that goes on here that, that he don't, I'm personally, I mean, I, I don't think they care. You know, I, the councilman, I called, I called the councilman a couple of times. She came over finally one time I caught her. I've been waiting for six, weeks and weeks for her to hear back from her. I never heard a word. You know, they need to take a visual and, and go into Kmart, go into the pet store, go into, you know, all these stores that are are open, right? Yeah, we definitely got some huge problems we got to take care of. Structure the buildings in pretty good shape, you know. There's, we got three buildings we want to take down. The other ones could be repaired. It's mostly roof work. You got this executive building. It could be turned into a, a huge apartment. It's a beautiful building, other than it needs a roof. It, it could be put into, a, you know, all kinds of apartment, low income housing, veterans housing, any place. But I mean, they worry about this place. You know, what about, you know, the temple downtown, the sheltered workshop, all the stuff. Right, all the buildings around here is freaking falling down. We have a huge influx of homeless over here right now. Yeah, the city has a lot of blight problems, a lot of uh, properties where taxes have been unpaid, and, and, and there are, are are all sorts of issues all, all across the city. Now, tell me, uh, a listener mentioned earlier this hour about some meeting or something that would be taking place next Tuesday at City Hall. What What's going on? Correct. It's 2 o'clock next Tuesday. I didn't know nothing about it. They called me from Jersey and, t- and told me. That next next Wednesday or next Tuesday, there's a meeting with the council, you know, the city about this. I guess it's in city council chambers. I didn't I didn't see a list or anything on 
nothing about it. No, I hadn't heard about it. So do you plan to attend? I I do, and I I know they're coming up from New Jersey to attend, attend, and they're bringing some lawyers to try to keep this place. So the the owners, Gillespie, it's still officially owned by Gillespie Realty, correct? Yeah. yeah. So Gillespie Realty is not going to sit still and let Mayor Cram get away with with taking this property on West State Street through eminent domain. Correct. The thing about it is he came out here he came out here and did this speech in the middle of the, in the middle of the parking lot and it freaked out a couple of our tenants, right? And the furniture the girl who did the furniture, I can't remember the name of the store, she was gonna have vendors in there and and sell, you know, have people have their wares in there. She freaked out and says, I can't I'm not spending this money and they won't sign the contract for a year here. You know but for these people to start, you know, have their stuff here, and we're going to have to move out, right? Roger Trucking looked at the place. They got scared because of that same damn speech. But it was all right when they had this friggin', oh, excuse my mouth, the hemp here. We got stuck with so much hemp, it cost us thousands upon thousands of dollars to get rid of it. But every politician was here, oh, this is the greatest place in the world, right? So if that was the greatest place in the world for the hemp, you know, and the building was in such great shape. Bring them, bring the marijuana grow in here to bring some jobs to this north side. You know. So you're telling me that last July 7th, when Mayor Cram held his news conference in the parking lot of the Binghamton Plaza property, he didn't he didn't notify you or the owners that he was Correct. going to do Not that. One person, and he and he sent letter. To, Contacted our tenants and told them that he would find a place to find a place to relocate them. Where are you going to relocate them? No, that's how. And everybody freaked out in the whole plaza. No. Well, I I would guess that you and others affiliated with Gillespie Realty plus the other tenants probably found that to be um, inconsiderate. Very, very inconsiderate. Well, keep me posted. I appreciate your uh, letting me uh, speak with you and get a status report. I want to follow this through because how many acres does that cover? It's that's a substantial it's piece close of to land. twenty acres. But you know, he, he stood right out there and he, and he admitted that there's a city landfill here. I mean, the Cleese's built the Endicott Plaza. You know what it took? You know, it's a different a, a different part of the family to own it. We had to go through virtual. They had to go to virtual hell. Because it was zoned as retail. I mean, not, no retail is going to go in there, right? And they finally got it changed over so they could sell it to these people. It would have been sold years ago, you know. So it could have been, you know, it was sold, and now they're bringing jobs there. And, you know, retail has gone. You can't dig that land up like here. You can't. You can only do so much. But you can, it's a brownfield. You know? But if I mean, if this the, was the heart. This was the heart of Bampton at one time. Well, yes. Well, I'm. I I remember. I remember when, when the North Side was was vibrant. There was a lot going on. So, but Gillespie would still like to come up with a, a redevelopment plan for that site that could involve uh, mixed use, including maybe a veteran center. Yeah, that was that's his big big thing. I mean, he's eighty four. He is a veteran himself. He said he wants to make it right with God before he dies. You know, that's why he wanted a veteran center. You know, and he was the secret. If people remember, a lot of people remember the Secret Santa that used to pay off the layaways for at Kmart. That was him. I remember, remember that. I do. Yeah, that was my Mister Glassy. Well, he made Very a lot of people heart. happy with that. Correct, and he understands. You know, he's, he, like he said, he grew up. 
in a poor family. He said he understands what this North Side is going through. So he, that's why you don't want to see it go. You know, it, John Tokus, property manager at the Binghamton Plaza, please keep in touch with me, okay? Okay. Because I want to see what happens to this. It's important piece of property, even though at the moment the north side is down. I don't for a minute think anybody should give up on the future of Binghamton's north side. It may be going through a tough period right now, but I, I do think there's potential for some good things to happen in the coming years. And so do we. Thank you. All right, thank you. Bye. It's uh, 11.46, Bob Joseph Live, always asking a few questions for you on News Radio, WNBF. Uncle Sam. Georgia on my mind on WNBF, partial release of a Georgia grand jury report evaluating President Trump's election interference determined that there was no widespread fraud in the 2020 contest and encouraged prosecution of witnesses who may have lied. The limited details gleaned from the report come after a judge allowed three sections from the document to uh, be released. Uh, the um, bottom line is it appears at least one person, at least one person is believed to have lied in testimony to the grand jury. So stay tuned to News Radio WNBF for additional information as uh, people have a chance to review the sections of the grand jury report that have just been released. Most of the findings are going to remain sealed, at least for now. It's 11.52, live, local, Bob Joseph, WNBF. News Radio 1155 WNBF, WNBF.com. The great thing about this program is there is no script, there is no agenda, and there is no reason ever 
to believe that you aren't going to learn a few things. The longer you listen, the more you learn on this program. And I think that's why continuing this endeavor is a great thing for the community, for the Binghamton area, and for beyond. So we cover a fair amount of ground every day, and we give you the information that you may not be able to obtain elsewhere. That being said, please continue to support all local news sources. Please. This is a passionate plea. Yes, listen to WNBF on 92.1 FM and 1290 AM and online at WNBF.com. But also, listen and pay attention to other sources, whether it's public media, the TV stations, the Spectrum News on cable, the newspaper in print. That's something you still do because you support print or online. Remember? support local journalism without local journalism you're not going to find out anything until it's too late by the way there are people who like it that way (laughs) right now there are people who find it infuriating that there are any reporters left in binghamton so support them do your best to support local journalism as much as possible provide tips provide information and feel free to answer a few questions to help keep the community informed It's that important. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to WNBF. WNBF.